Welcome to the Professionals Podcast, where we explore how upscaling and continuing education can unlock new career possibilities and social impact for adult learners. I'm your host, Amanda Gillespie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Cassine. Hi, everyone. Hi, Luke. And as always, we are thrilled to have you join us on this exciting journey. Today, we are so fortunate to have with us Connie Utah, Program Director of Cybersecurity Strategy and Information Management Master's Program in the College of Professional Studies. Hi, Connie. Hi, Connie. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to GW and the college. I was at a point many years ago when um, the program director who was here at George Washington University was looking for someone to teach their cyber intelligence course. And I was teaching some courses in the private sector, and so they had me come over and do that. And then at that point, cybersecurity was really taking off. So we decided to merge two different certificates that were available at the time for the Homeland Security program and that one of them was cybersecurity and the other one was information management. So we merged those together into a master's program and the students were really excited. We had students that were in the Homeland program that we just merged over right away. They were so excited because this is such a hot topic. And that's how my journey started here. And then we just started an online program and it just grew and developed from there. That's really interesting. So with that, let's get into a few questions. This program is constantly evolving to best educate students on new and emerging threats. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing from your seat and how you make decisions on what new elements to build into the curriculum? Oh, absolutely. Where I'm sitting, this is an area that's constantly emerging. There's uh, the nation-state threats are getting more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Not even nation-state threats, but even non-nation-state threat actors are becoming more sophisticated, persistent, and the damage that they're causing is increasing. Um, We're seeing an increase in ransomware attacks, and then the way that criminals are exploiting those now is also different. They're changing their tactics. Criminal organizations and other threat actors, they change their tactics as they're being discovered. So this is an evolving area. Plus, you add artificial intelligence and Mm -hmm. you add machine learning and, you know, the issues around quantum computing. All of that together is creating this atmosphere of a very rich targets and threat landscapes and where the workforce is not prepared. We do not have the the workforce that we need yet to be able to combat all these threats. And that just was recently came out in the National Cybersecurity Strategy, is that these are the things that we're concerned about. We're concerned about critical infrastructure. We're concerned about critical services. We're concerned about these nation states and non-nation state threats right now um, and how sophisticated these threat actors are. And we need a workforce to be able to address Mm -hmm. that. So that's where we are right now. And what I do and what my my instructors do, and I have an advisory board and the students, we look at these every day. This is what's happening real time. So we can talk about this as this unfolds and see what's happening, how people are addressing it. You know, we talk in class, we look at all the threat reports, the current threat reports. If there isn't a solution, the instructors also say, hey, what about zero trust? We're talking about threat hunting. That's a new thing. A new Hmm. concept is hunting forward or threat hunting. So we have Microsoft coming in, and we're doing a workshop at the end of October. And then our instructors are also building that into the curriculum. So when the students start their class for Fall B, they're already having that built into that class. So we have somebody who works on that right now in the job that he's doing, and he sees, oh, wow, this is relevant. I want to, I want to be able to share with this with the students. He's building it into his class. And then my advisory board also. They're advisory board that they're touching different places at at different times they can say this is what I'm hearing so we build that right into the class at the time so interesting we had a a former student just teach a class last night present in class about 
He's, he works for the FBI. When he can say, this is what I've seen, and this is what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're addressing it. This, these are the, the concerns we have. This is our need for growth. That is so interesting. You mentioned threat hunting. Can you explain that? Threat hunting is actually instead of waiting for the attack to come to you, you go looking for it within your systems. Organizations sometimes, especially in the past, have had malicious threat actors in their system and not be aware of it. Just taking information, sitting there, and and just reaping information across organizations. This allows organizations, this allows nation states to go out and proactively look for this. You know, it's not, oh, I see something. It's like, what are we noticing? What's happening in my house? It's sort of like having your security guard go around your house and look instead of waiting to have something happen. Got it. Doing a couple of connections in my head here between what you're saying, thinking back to Scott's conversation with us as well. Oh, okay. And, you know, the we talked a lot about threat actors Mm -hmm. um, and bad actors and just how big of an issue it is. Mm -hmm. Now, we know many of your students are already in the field, but Mm -hmm. they're trying to break into the field. How does our program add more value to what they're doing and helps us move forward in the mm-hmm. field of cybersecurity? That's a great question. We have students that are already in the field or already working someplace professionally. And the great advantage to this program is, one, it gives, this is an area of a field that needs continuous education. It's a constantly learning. Students have to continuously learn, even if they're in our program or not in our program. Continuous learning is part of being a cybersecurity professional. Um, because the threats are emerging so quickly. It also gives students the opportunity to be able to leverage their skills and their knowledge in the classroom and use that someplace else. Often students are looking for promotions or looking for a way to get into a different organization, and they use what's happening in the classroom or they use the degree to get there. One of the things that we heard from the student last night was, one thing that I learned in the classroom, I used right away. I used that, I did this project in a classroom, and I used it right away when I went into an organization, which then another student said, oh, by the way, the project that we're doing right now in class, I'm also using that in Mm. work right now. And so these things are relevant. Um, We've had students that are also not even in necessarily the cybersecurity field, but we've had students in the financial services sector who have said to me during a, a class saying, I'm using this right now. So some of the stuff is actually applicable to what the students are learning and doing in the workforce. So that's, that's one advantage that they have. And also I've had students get promotions right away when they're getting out of the program or they're promoted while they're in, in the, the class. Other students are like, I'm going on to get my PhD because I love this so much and mm-hmm. I'm going to go. I want to really be a master in this area. We had a student who was very interested in space and satellite cybersecurity, which if you want to be scared, that's an area to be scared. And he he focused on it in the program, and then he is now uh, in a PhD program focusing on that. And he's going to be a subject matter expert and be probably one of the world's you know top people in that area because he's so cutting edge just right on time. Well, now you have me curious. Can you tell us a little bit more about the satellite and space Oh, so if you have satellites and satellites are controlling or get or you providing information and, and links to things and someone can hack into that and cause damage, you can shut down communication, you can shut down anything that's impacted by a satellite, weather systems, you know, anything. And it's if so and that is a target. If you were a bad actor and you were looking for places if you just even wanted to control it and have access to it so you could tip off someone else and say, we have control of this. We can, you know, we can do some damage. So you need to do this for us. 
people can use that as a leverage um, or they can do it to cause damage. I mean, if you take a look at what happened in Ukraine, I think um, Elon Musk supplied satellite coverage for them mm-hmm. because they weren't able to because of the Russians. So they, they, they lost some satellite communications. It can be incredibly concerning. But there are some amazing people here in the United States who have been on this for not just now, for decades, mm-hmm. for decades. So we, that's a good thing. But also then, you know, it invites challenges too. It does. So, you know, coming in this morning, uh, I was listening to, you know, NPR about the Senate convening an AI conference, Mm -hmm. essentially. So you have all these tech titans coming in and the, and Congress is going to have a conversation on what is AI and Mm -hmm. how do we move forward. I'm curious to hear more about the field that's evolving so quickly. How does the federal government keep up with it? Not just for military purposes and protecting the country, but Mm -hmm. how does it pass laws to defend small business owners who don't have a mm. cyber expert to protect mm-hmm. themselves. You know, how, where's the middle ground here? What do you do? How do you protect the little people, essentially? Those are all really, really good questions. So the question about the laws not changing quickly enough, that's been a, a problem for many years. Is like, how do you deal with addressing the challenges we have in cyberspace? How do we keep the, the laws keep up with the quickly changing, you know, and AI and things like that? Fortunately, a couple of years ago, there were some laws that were changed to make it easier for the Department of Defense to do some things in cyberspace to be able to help to protect our interests here and, and abroad. Um, and they're looking at other types of, I mean, there's a lot of laws right now that they're taking a look at to see what they can do to be able to help to protect large businesses, small businesses, the United States in general. And Sometimes you'll see an executive order get passed if, or uh, something will come out in a strategy or in the National Defense Authorization Act, and you have to kind of look for it a little bit. But there are things that are happening that are and policies and laws that are being made to be able to make it easier to protect the, both the big, big folks and the little folks. But you're right. There's also smaller businesses, and how does a smaller business protect themselves against perhaps an a nation state or a nation state with the sophistication that mm-hmm. it does because nation states are not just targeting military targets they target military and civilian targets so how do how do we do that and that's those are the questions that that people are looking at right now how do we do this who do we partner with who's got the jurisdiction here whose role is it to protect it here in the united states whose role is to work with our foreign partners and how do we do that and and we've got great teams of different agencies that are working on this problem. And it's it's wonderful when they can all come together. I'm going to pivot to your graduates now. Okay. What are employers telling you about our graduates? So I would say, for example, the, the student that came in yesterday who works with the FBI, the things that he was telling me about, you know, this information that I got from this class was applicable right away. Yeah. And I've had students graduate they come back and try to find students in the program to take with them. Mm-hmm. They're learning critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills. So they have the technical background, and then they also have the higher-level people skills, how to manage teams, how to deal with individuals in complex situations, things that are really essential right now because when you have an evolving field like this, you need to have people who can think quickly and can understand complex issues. I mean, we need the technical people, definitely. But for this program, it's about dealing with strategic challenges and strategic threat actors with a strategic response. You have to think about it in a more holistic way, either if it's for a business and a business, and you have to understand what's important to that business and how you fit into that and that overall business strategy, or you know, for a nation state. Yeah, that's interesting. 
What keeps you up at night? Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, I guess what keeps me up is what is it that we don't know? We know what we know, but there's something out there that we don't know. And either it's an emerging technology or emerging something that somebody else may have a capacity of that we're not aware of what it can do or a threat actor that's underneath the surface that, you know, something happening, something bubbling somewhere. So not knowing is that's probably what keeps me up. I mentioned earlier about most of our students are those who are in the field and they're trying Mm -hmm. to move up in their profession. But who are the students that are not in the field? Because when you think about these situations, they're folks who are feeling like inspired to say, I want to help, Mm -hmm. but I have a different degree. I'm not in the cyber world. How does someone like that who is really, really interested in helping, how do they get involved? You know, It doesn't matter what your background is. We want people who are critical thinking, ethical. We'll find a place for you. But I had an eye doctor take my program. She is like, can we build this into medical training? Can we build some cybersecurity awareness into medical training? She wants to start developing classes to even here at GW to take over to the, the, the medical school. Where she sits, she has a different vantage point to say, yeah, I can see how this is a problem in the healthcare industry mm-hmm. and I can do something about it. And this is what I can do. When I think about how we talk about your program to prospective students, mm-hmm. I want to be able to expand. Oh, sure. And be able to say that you don't have to have had a cybersecurity background to get involved. <laughs> It's, oh. These are the basic skills that you need to have. Right. Here's what the degree is going to do for you, and mm-hmm. here are all the things that you can accomplish with it. Oh, absolutely. You could be in the financial services sector, and you learn this, and it'll just make you a better, more well-rounded, mm-hmm. especially uh, if you're looking for leadership or management or being able to talk to the C-suite about these are important co- things that we all need to understand about what's what the vulnerabilities, what's the risk, and what our risk appetite is here in this organization so it could be financial services sector, law has a, you know, there's a whole part of this that, that law is, pertains to any area of business, really. And now this the example of the medical school. Yeah, so, I think, I mean, yeah. for me, I just see that people would normally just think of cybersecurity just online threats, right? But there's, there's oh. no industry out there that is not vulnerable to these bad actors oh, or absolutely. bad threats. So, And if uh, I wanted to get some information about how to get into somebody's system, I might not just use the computer. I might have a conversation with you and find out a little bit more about you and maybe see if I can't get some password clues from you. Or oh, something. my God. All right. <laughs> no, so that's, I mean, so some of the insider threats, what they do is they build that personal relationship first. So it's not just I'm doing this online. I'm building the relationships. I'll go to a conference. I'll meet someone. I will start forging that relationship, and that will allow me to be able to one day you know, get into your computer systems or your networks or your organization or your nation state. It, it's all kind of integrated. Or even if you talk about deep fakes, which is a whole nother scary thing. Yes. It's where it's like, okay, with the election coming up and with as advanced as technology is right now, we could have presidential, you know, people who are, who are you know, want to be the president, um, there's a deep fake, a fake video of them saying something that might not mm-hmm. be true. Mm-hmm. They could do somebody could do a deep fake of Putin and say some scary stuff. That could be that could cause some real tension around the world. You know, those are the types of things that are possible. And they've already had things where they, they've called businesses and they've made it sound like the business owner are asking to deposit, you know, can right. you make some check? Can you deposit mm-hmm. this check into this account? And that's that's already happened. Yeah, I read a story about something like that where mm-hmm. someone used a deep fake voice 
to call a grandparent mm-hmm. pretending they were a grandchild in distress and asking the grandparent to send money right mm-hmm. away. And the grandparent, of course, is feeling like, oh, my gosh, they're scared. Yeah. They wired the money, thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. only to find out hours or days later that it had nothing to do with that grandchild. Right. It's very it's concerning. It's very concerning. And elder people, that's a whole other area of targeting. They are targeted so much. So if you have an older person who's on the computer mm-hmm. or, like you said, and they're in a, they're not all vulnerable. There, there are people who are older, though, who are vulnerable and are trusting, and mm-hmm. they hear, oh, my goodness, this is my grandchild. They don't think, oh, I'm going to stop and hang up and go call yeah. my grandchild and make sure that's them. They're just like, oh, how can I help? So you're right. That's very scary. And that's a real yeah. area of concern, too, in, mm-hmm. in terms of cybercrime. When it comes to cybersecurity, what I've read a lot about is that the financial services sector is often a little bit ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Just is it true that the financial services sector is ahead when it comes to cybersecurity and really trying to protect not only their customers but also protect their assets? I would say yes. Okay. I mean, that's the business that they're in. And I know that the financial uh, services sector, their information uh, sharing is fantastic. They're really, they really are ahead and money's involved, you know, mm. so... They're uh, very proactive about protecting money, and they, they partner well with other, with other institutions. Thank you. So, Connie, I hear you have uh, published a new book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I wrote a book on cyber intelligence. I was, I was contacted by a publishing company, and they asked if I could write on the topic. So it, it was just right after the report came out um, about Ruf- the Russians and they're meddling in the 2016 elections. So I thought, oh, this is a perfect time to start getting doing some research on this. And um, it was published last year. Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah, so thank Fantastic. You. Where can people find it? Um, on Amazon. You can find uh, Cyber Intelligence is on Amazon for sale, paperback or hardback. Stocking stuffer. Yes, stocking stuffer. (laughs) Everybody get one. If you don't want to sleep at night, please read the book. It talks all about all the challenges and policies and practices. I'm definitely going to put it in my queue because i got to say is the more I learn from you and Dr. White, it's just I want to know more. Right. And I want to think through, you know, not only how do I protect myself, how do I protect my family, yeah. but also how do I inform family members? Right. Because I take it as a responsibility to know this information mm-hmm. and to share it mm-hmm. and to help everyone else because this is affecting all of us in so many different ways. Absolutely. It's all the things that I've learned over the years that I've taken precautions not only to protect myself, but mm-hmm. also really doing whatever I can to reduce my digital footprint. So it's learning from experts such as yourself and saying, okay, in my little world, here's what I need to do. Well, actually, that's it. That's amazing. It's that every single person takes a small bit of responsibility for their own safety and their security and their family safety and security because people will target the vulnerable, you know, the easy target. Mm -hmm. Well, Connie, as always, you've been a wealth of information to round out our day. Thank you for your time and sharing your insights with our listeners. As we close out, remember we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, feedback, or recommendations about the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us directly at theprofessionals at gwu.edu. And don't forget to subscribe and mark your calendars for the next episode of The Professionals Podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye, everyone.